0: Man, Arabella's gangster. Yeah. Woo! it's a prayer warrior praying up there. How are you guys doing? It's a beautiful day, man. Um, today, uh, if you're new, welcome. Uh, but we have a special guest here. That special guest happens to be my daddy. And so if my dad can just stand up and wave his hand. Appa, say Hi. <laughs> isn't he cute it's my dad um today the word is going to be coming from psalm chapter 33 psalm chapter 33 and you know i actually i want us to all read this whole psalm together can we do that it's, it's not that long but i'm telling you some of you won't even need me to preach after we read this you're all gonna get set free just with the words amen So if you're there, you guys are there? Okay, I'll wait, I'll wait. I got you. (laughs) I like that. She keeps it real. All right, Psalm 33. We're going to start with verse 1, and we're going to go all the way to verse 22. Here we go. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. Heavens were made by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven, he sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all. And observes all their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation. And by its great might, it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. On those who hope in his steadfast love that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Amen. Amen. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. You know, if you live a life of a Christian, you got to live a life of trust. And trust is a rare commodity these days, isn't it? Amongst people in workplaces. You know, I wish you could say that it's all good in the church, but even in the church, we find that trust can be rare. Yet trusting God with all of your heart is not an option. It's mandatory if you want to walk a life of faith. And we're called to live a supernatural life. That's one of our core values here at New Philly is the supernatural is natural. But you can't live that life unless you trust in God. I'm talking about trusting in the Lord. It's our only survival. In fact, I think I could be as bold as to say, not only can we trust in God or must we trust in God, we got to learn how to trust in each other. If we want to do what we're called to do, and if we want to be who God has called us to be, It is impossible without trust. But God's constantly testing us on this, isn't he? I mean, since I've turned my life around, no, since God has turned my life around, it's been like a nonstop series of moments where I feel like I'm facing the impossible. And I have to trust in him. It's my only option. And, I, and I'm stepping into something where I feel completely inadequate. And I know that God's calling me to do this, or I know that he's calling me to be this person, but I'm standing there feeling like so inadequate. And I'm thinking, man, just when I got comfortable, just when I got comfortable here, God's going to call me to another place of just feeling like I can't do it. Why? Why does he do that? Why, God? When is this going to stop? The answer is never. (laughs) And the reason why he does that is because as long as we trust in ourselves, we can only go so far. But when we learn how to wholeheartedly trust in the Lord, you and I, we can do the impossible. That's what we're called to do, the impossible. So as a believer... If you're living for the Lord, trust me when I say you're going to be confronted with unbelief. Your unbelief. Time and time again. Man, do I really believe that God can do this? And you're going to follow the leading of God and he's going to take you to a place where you're facing the Red Sea again. And you're like man, I thought I just crossed over the Red Sea, you know, a month ago. How am I back here in this impossible place? And God is saying, are you going to trust me? It's not easy, is it? Sometimes we just ask ourselves, you know what? I was able to do it last time, but I'm standing here, and I don't know if I can trust you for this one. This, This is a little bit too big. But you and I, as believers, we got to be experts at trust. Listen, we don't really need to be experts at anything else but to trust in God. If we trust in God, everything else, everything else will come into its place. I want you to just turn to your neighbor, and I want you to look them dead in the eye and say, you trust God? Do you trust God? (laughs) Some of y'all not looking at nobody, huh? (laughs) So here we have Psalm 33. And the reason why I love this passage is because it ends with this exhortation. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. We trust in his holy name. And the whole Psalm actually is a journey to get to that point. They end there. They land their feet in this place. I trust God with everything. How did they get there? How do you and I, how do we learn how to trust God when we're facing the impossible? When it looks like, man, I don't know how I'm supposed to be that person. Or I don't know how I'm supposed to do that thing that you're saying every Christian should do. How do we know how to overcome that? How can we trust God? And I feel like Psalm 33, it carries some of the keys to that. I want you to turn with me to the beginning of the Psalm. In the first three verses, it says, Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Shout for joy. Anybody who thought that worship time should have been quiet, obviously didn't Didn't read the Bible because... It didn't say whisper for joy. It says shout for joy. Shout for joy, O oh, you righteous. You know, many of us, we stop here. Why? Because we feel like, oh, you righteous is not talking to us. And we get stuck in the, well, I'm not righteous. But you know that our righteousness is not, it's not based on what you and I do. Amen? We celebrated Easter last week. And Easter was all about the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the beautiful thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ is it has nothing to do with what you and I can do or what we can offer. But it has everything to do about what God has done for us. You and I are righteous by faith and by faith alone. So when it says righteous one, sometimes I read Psalms and I I read about, you know, the righteous and... I'm just like, mm, not talking to me. Especially with you know what I've been going through lately. Now that's a lie. That's a deception. Our name is righteous. We wear righteous. In fact, we have the breastplate of righteousness. So shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Praise is fitting for you and I. Because we're the upright. Amen. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre and make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song and play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. This whole psalm is actually broken down. They say that what was going on when the psalm was being written out, you know, most of the psalms were, uh, there was a scribe that was there and they were just writing what was going on in David's, David's tabernacle. And what many say was these first three verses was done kind of by like the choir master. You know how we do the call to worship before we sing? This first three worship, these first three verses, I'm sorry, is like their call to worship. Nobody's singing yet. So they do these first three verses, and then the following verses from 4 to 19 is the song that comes out. But here's this choir master engaging everybody to worship God. It's the call to worship. And I think that this carries the key in trusting in the Lord. You know, I says sing to him a new song. If there's one thing that I've learned being on K1, if you guys don't know what K1 is, K1 is the house of prayer that New Philly has been, um, we started about a year ago now. And we do a lot of spontaneous worship where we sing the word and we basically are making up new songs, you know, each week during these sessions. And it's not easy to sing a new song on the fly. It's not. And, you know, John, Pastor John is usually my leader in, in this, and uh, it's either him or Benjamin. And Pastor John, he, he will start it off, we'll read a passage, and then it's time to sing the passage. And uh, I'm, I'm one of the singers for Wednesday morning, and he begins to strum the guitar, and he starts, you know, usually he kicks it off, and he starts singing, Shout for Joy! And, you know, and, and then we got to think the whole time, Snap! I got to come up with a song right now. <laughs> And so I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm like looking at the lyrics. And when we first started, I wouldn't even look at him. Like one of the rules, I was going to say one of the rules of fight club. No, one of the rules for K1 is you got to keep your eyes open and you got to look to the worship leader. That's kind of one of the things that we're taught. But when you don't have a line to sing, usually as a singer, you just do this. And so I know John is looking at me like right here. His eyes are looking at me and he's waiting to see which singer can start a brand new melody, a brand new line. So it's not easy, especially in the beginning when you're not used to it. And so in the beginning, I just didn't know how to do it. But later on, after a year, thankfully, I think all the singers, we got, we got better at it. We got more comfortable with it. But singing to him a new song, when the Israelites, whenever they sang a new song in scripture, it's right after God did a miraculous thing. So after the crossing of the Red Sea, all of a sudden there's like a, like a chapter long of a new song that was sung. Here, the psalmist commands us, sing a new song unto God. But I'm saying that we can't sing a new song unless we realize that God is doing a new thing. The, the key to trusting in the Lord, it first starts off in the call to worship. I told you that this psalm ends in trusting in God, but it begins with the call to worship. And you and I need to learn how to be skillful in praising God. What I mean by that is this. There's a a famous quote that says, complaining is to the devil what praising is to God. Complaining is to the devil what praising is to God. And it's hard to sing a new song to God sometimes, but it's easy to come up with new complaints, isn't it? We can get real creative about what we want to complain about. Shoot. I can come up with a brand new complaint every single day, no hesitation. But are we that good at coming up with a new praise to the Lord? We're we're fluent in complaints. Are we fluent in worship? That when the command is sing a new song, which means recognize that God is doing a new thing, are we perceiving it? Are we paying attention to it? If you're facing the Red Sea, if you're facing something that's impossible right now in your life, the first thing that you need to do is to hear the call to worship God. To receive the call to worship God. To accept the call to worship God. And that means to sing to him a new song. Singing to him a new song means to recognize what God is doing in your life right now. You know how it is. A lot of good things are happening, but when one bad thing is happening in your life, you think everything's falling apart. And you forget everything else that God is doing that's so extraordinary and powerful, and you're so stuck on the one thing that's not going right. You ever feel like that? It's, it's a strategy to pull us out of keeping our eyes fixed on that one thing, pulling us out of that and relocating our sight back on the Lord, back on what he's doing and what he's doing new. Even if you're facing an impossible situation, I guarantee if you perceive it, God is doing a new thing in your life right now. Isaiah 43, 18 to 19, it says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of the old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. That's not I've done a new thing. I'm going to do a new thing. No, it's I'm doing a new thing right now. And the next line is Now it springs forth. Do you perceive it? Do you perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God is calling us to see the new thing that he's doing. Amen? You know, what really struck me was verse 3, not just sing to him a new song, but play skillfully on the strings. So interesting that, that the psalmist mentions that, you know, I always thought that no matter how terrible we sound, God enjoys our worship, (laughs) you know, like, like a little kid, like at a concert and like, small baby, you know, and they're like playing the saxophone, but you know, parents are like, uh, you know, in awe, loving, doting on them. And I always thought, yeah, you know, God doesn't care what we sound like. And I don't know, for some reason, (laughs) no, I'm sure he looks at the heart. But I think he still calls us to be skillful with the instrument that he's placed in our hands. We're called to be skillful in worship. We're called to be skillful in our praises to him. Are you skilled in praise? I'm not just talking about being able to keep a beat or strumming a guitar. I'm talking about your attitude and your lifestyle. Are you skillful in praise? Are you skillful in worship? What what does it mean to be skillful? What does it mean to have skill? It means to have developed. Skill comes from developing, from training. It comes from practice, from familiarity. You know, my brother, he used to play the saxophone. It's like the worst instrument for a little sister to have to endure from an older brother, and every night, without fail, he practiced his saxophone. And I kid you not, I found a journal um, book that I I kept from when I was in elementary school, and it has, like, when I was in second grade, I wrote a journal, part of my school assignment, and in my journal, it wrote, my brother played the saxophone, spelling all wrong, (laughs) but my brother played the saxophone, I hate the saxophone. (laughs) Like, it's like, in my journal, I'm complaining about my brother's saxophone. Because if there's one thing, listen, if you can't sing, okay, that it sounds, you know, but if you can't play the saxophone, (laughs) it's like wretched. And when my brother first started, it was painful, but he got to be really good, but I was with him the whole journey. Because my bedroom was next to his bedroom. And it started off like really awkward and really uncomfortable. And, you know, sometimes he hit the note and sometimes he didn't. But eventually he he picked it up and he began to get more and more comfortable with it. And all of a sudden he wasn't doing scales anymore. He started singing actual, you know, simple songs. And then those songs began to turn into, you know, long songs. And it became more and more sophisticated and he became more skillful in the saxophone. And many of us, we stop at the scales when it comes to worshiping God. And God is saying, make melody to me. Make melody to me. Sing to me a new song. Make a lifestyle of praise and worship. Be an expert in it. Not because you're an expert in it right away, just like at K1. I definitely didn't know what I was doing. But I kept at it. And all the singers, all the musicians, we continue to meet Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturdays to, to practice and to learn. And we began to train and develop and begin to perfect and, and hone our skills as singers and musicians. And I'm saying, even if you're not a singer or musician, you are a worshiper. That is your identity In fact, it said in verse 1, praise befits the upright. That means worship, it fits you. You ever see someone wear something that doesn't fit? You know, and you're just like, "Mm, man, should I say something? Should I not? If you're married to them, you say something. (laughs) Like, that just doesn't look good on you. You should take that off. You know, I think my husband has a couple things in his wardrobe. To this day, I'm trying to get him to get rid of. In the beginning of our marriage, it was these camel pants, like... Need I say more? And every time he wore it, I was like, oh, <laughs> shivers on my spine. But it just wasn't a good look. But, you know, when he dresses nice, he looks good. It's like my dad, my dad's here. Um, but when I was in middle school and high school, every Sunday morning we would go to church together. And every Sunday morning, without fail, my dad would call my name, and i have to go to his room, and i pick out his tie. It was just what we always did. My mom just didn't care. She gave up. But me, as a faithful daughter, I picked out his tie every single Sunday, and he would hold up a tie, and I was like, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, put that back. I don't put. actually throw that out. I don't even know where that came from. This one. This one looks good. When something looks good on someone, it just looks right. It just looks right on them. Complaining doesn't look good on us. Okay. But praise, praise befits the upright, it says. Worship, it fits us perfectly. It's like getting a tailor made suit. I don't know what that feels like, but my husband sure likes it. And I could tell the difference between a suit that he buys in the store and something that was tailor made for him. It just looks right. It just looks right. That's the same praise, worship, having a worship lifestyle to a believer. It's like that tailor-made suit. It just fits right to you and I. That's the lifestyle that we're called to live. We're called to be skillful in worship. Skillful experts in praising God. And, you know, when, I, when I'm talking about praising God, I'm not just talking about literally singing a song and all that stuff. I'm, I'm talking about acknowledging him. Acknowledge God. It says in, in, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will keep your path straight. You want to learn how to trust in the Lord? You need to learn how to worship him, but you need to learn how to acknowledge him. Acknowledge him in all of your ways. You know, when I think about times where I had to trust in God, it's continuous. I could tell you right now what I'm trusting in God for. But one of the biggest turning points in my life for trusting God was coming to Korea. And I know that many of you guys know my testimony of what happened in Korea, but how I even got here was a testimony in itself. And what happened was God was transforming me in the summer of 06. And he brought me to this retreat. And I went to this retreat, and I just got blasted by God. And at the retreat, there was like a, like a slideshow for missions to go to Africa. And when I saw this, like, I don't know, this slideshow to go to Africa, literally my heart was, like, beating outside my chest. And I just knew, I need to go to Africa. And as soon as it was, it was over, I turned to my friend and she goes, we need to go to Africa. And I was like, yes, Africa. And I remember I went to the pastor. It, it wasn't my church. I visited a church and went on a retreat. And I went to the pastor and I was like, I need to go to Africa. And he's like, Oh, it's, the signups are done. And, he's, and he looked at me and my friend and he was like, but you know what? We'll make room for the two of you. And so we're like, all right. And he had a policy of going, when going on missions with this church. You have to pay your whole way, which means it wasn't like fundraising like we do in New Philly. You work. He wanted you to literally work for the money that you were going to use to go to Africa. We had to raise a lot of money. And so I had no job. I just graduated college. And so the next day I told my parents, Amapa, I'm going to go to Africa. And they were like, what in the world is wrong with this child? <laughs> and they were like uh all right well how are you gonna do that where are you gonna come up with the money and I was like I don't know and that day I got a phone call from my friend saying hey are you looking for work and I said yeah I'm looking for work and she goes well you know my restaurant's hiring you can be a waitress and I was like all right I have no experience but I'll do it and so I was an awesome waitress by the way <laughs> and I, I waited on tables the whole summer and You know, I worked at a Japanese and Thai restaurant. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun. And towards the end of the summer, I was ready to go to, I was going to Uganda and Rwanda. Those were the two nations we were visiting. And we were going to be there for two weeks. And um, right before uh, going on this trip, the Lord was speaking to me the whole summer about Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will keep your path straight. I was holding on to that word for dear life because I had no idea what I was going to do. I just graduated college, and I had no idea what I was going to do. And so I just believed God. All I know is i got to go to Africa. That's it. That's the only thing I was sure about. And so my, my uncle, who was living in Korea, he found out about my jobless situation. And he looked around, and he gave me an interview with a public school, SMOE. Um, to work as a teacher in Korea, two weeks before going to Africa. And I didn't want to go. And I remember thinking, uh, oh, thank you, Chaganapa. but no. No, that's not for me. And uh, I sat down and I talked to my parents about it. And they're like, you should really think about it. And just think about it. Just take the interview and think about it. And so I took the interview, and the first thing they told me is, you have to get out to Korea by this time, and it conflicted with my Africa missions trip. And so it was clear, I wasn't supposed to go. I, I wasn't supposed to go to Korea. And so I was confident that I knew what God was leading me in. And the moment I said that, the administrator who I was who was interviewing me was so desperate for a teacher, because two other teachers their paperwork fell through, so they needed teachers. So desperate for a teacher, they said, "You know what? You don't have to go to orientation. You don't have to go to orientation. Just go on your trip and come to Korea. You're hired." It was like, hi, my name is Erin. You're hired. (laughs) And so I was like, uh, okay. And I hung up, and I just, I still wasn't sure because as soon as I go to Africa, two days later coming back was when I had to fly out to Korea. That was a big change for such a short amount of time. I didn't have time to really think about it, right? And so I thought that, okay, this is it. This is is, this isn't it? This is it? This isn't it? I wasn't sure, and I talked to the pastor of the person who was leading the missions trip, and he he looked at me, and I told him my situation, and he was like, "Okay, I'll pray for you." And he turned around to walk away, and then he turned back to me and he said, "I feel like God is saying, don't go. You're not supposed to go to Korea. If you go to Korea, your spiritual life that's finally getting back on its feet, it will be destroyed. Don't go to Korea." And so I was like, so offended that he even said that to me. I was like, I wasn't asking for your opinion. I was just telling you what was going on. Like, I was so offended that he would come off so strong. And, and, I, and I was confused. And so now I'm just straight up confused. And I was like, oh man, I don't know what to do. And because he said don't go, I kinda wanted to go. You ever, you ever have that? It's like, you can't go. And I'm like, wait, now, well now I wanna go. What are you going to do about it? I was so rebellious. Anyway, but, you know, I talked to my pastor of my church, and he said, no, 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 go, go. It'll, it'll be okay. Your spiritual life will be okay. And so I was just, I didn't know what to do. I wasn't sure, and I wasn't, I wasn't confident in my choice to go to Korea. But still, I was like, you know what? I'll just go for it. I'll just try it half-heartedly. And I called my university to find out when my diploma was coming because my t- diploma hadn't come yet. So I make a phone call to my administration's office. And I said, uh, excuse me, my name is Erin Lee. I'm from this department. Where's my diploma? And the lady was like, oh, you know, that that school um, hands out the diplomas a little bit later. And I was like, you know, the thing is, I got this job in Korea and I need my diploma right away. And she goes, okay, what's your name again? Like Erin Suyun Lee. She goes, okay, okay, Miss Lee, Miss Lee. Oh. And I was like, oh. Uh. She goes, Miss Lee, according to your records, you haven't graduated yet. And I was like, uh, excuse me, I walked, I wore the cap and gown. My parents came, drove up three hours. My brother was there. Yeah, I graduated. And she goes, No, according to your transcript, you're four credits shy of grad- graduating. And I was like, What is going on? She goes, Didn't you ever see your, uh, what do you call them? Advisor. And I was like, No, I didn't. <laughs> I never met my advisor when I was in college. <laughs> I was too busy doing something else. You know what I'm saying? And so all of a sudden, I find out that I didn't graduate. And so I realized, oh, okay, it's clear. I'm not supposed to go to Korea. Like, as if God couldn't make it any more clear, I can't go to Korea. now I got the problem of telling my parents I didn't graduate. And then having to go to summer school, like, I I had a whole other set of problems. Korea was the last thing on my mind. But I emailed my... um, she, she told me, well, you know, the problem was you took a class, you got an incomplete in the class, and that incomplete turned into an F. And the moment she said that, I knew it just came rushing back, and I knew what class she was talking about, and I was like, oh, man. I totally, totally was supposed to get that grade change, and I forgot. And that grade turned into an F, and that's the class I needed. So long story short, I emailed that professor in a haste, but I thought nothing of it. And I called my best friend. I cried. And then I got down on my knees, and I, I cried. And then I said, God, you told me to trust in you. I'm so confused. I don't know what's going on. I'm so embarrassed, but I'm going to trust in you because of everything you've done in my life so far. And I looked back at everything that God was doing up to that point, and I thought about who he was, and I all of a sudden got this supernatural ability to trust God, despite it all. And I began to kind of recite verses 4 to 19 about who God is. And I fixed my eyes. I don't even know how I did it, you guys. I was so immature in my walk with the Lord at the time, but it was supernatural. I literally looked at the situation, and immediately I looked up, and I just said, God, I trust in you. I trust in you because your track record with me, you've always been faithful. You've always come through. And therefore, I can't help but to trust in you. And so I worshipped him in that moment, and then I called my parents. And my parents were golfing. And my mom was the one that picked up the phone, and she was in such a good mood. <laughs> oh, Siona, where? And it's like, uh, oh, ma, oh, uh, oh. Uh. Uh, and I told her I didn't graduate. And she goes, what? I'll see you when I get home. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I just, the whole time, I'm like, oh, man, I'm, it's done. But but I don't know. I can't explain. I had this peace. And then when my parents got home and they sat down and they talked with me, I was ready. I was ready for them to just chew me out. But my mom and dad sat down and they looked at me, and it was weird. They told me. To just trust in God. And my mom told me this story. I can't remember it, but she was just saying how you can't, that God is a lot more elaborate than you think. And what looks like a setback is actually a setup. That's the story, the premise of the story that she told me. And I was like, Oma? You know, like it was just supernatural. And we worshiped God together that night, together as a family, despite what was going on. And they were like, you better get your butt to summer school and graduate. (laughs) And the next morning, I went to early morning prayer with my mom and because I needed to pray. And in that time, I basically did a Psalm 33. And I got on my knees, and I began to worship God. And I began to just say, God... I worship you. I trust you. Your word, I don't trust in my degree because obviously I didn't even have it. I don't trust in my own strength. I don't trust in my own education. I don't trust in anything. But I trust that everything that's going on, you know all about it, and you're walking me through it. And I I just trust in you. And I just spent about 30 minutes to an hour worshiping God. Early morning prayer. I was the youngest person there. Everybody was harmony there. Like all these grandmas, you know, crying out for their grandchildren. I was the youngest person crying out to the Lord early morning prayer. And then I went to the office where my mom was working. I checked my email and I got an email from my professor. And my professor writes me back and says, I remember you. This is my sophomore year of college. I remember you and you were supposed to get a B in your class, but you wanted an A. So I gave you an extension to do an assignment. You never did it. And then what happened was she went to teach abroad, and so she left the country, and we were never able to change the grade. She goes, but I have all my records, and I went into the office today, and I changed your grade to a B. Congratulations, you graduated. (laughs) Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And I'm sitting there, and I said, man, God, you must want me to go to Korea. Bad. Because I was ready to, the moment he took it away, it was the moment my heart started to burn for Korea. And then supernaturally, when he put that option back in my hands, I knew that I knew that I knew God was sending me to Korea. But it was a test. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I had to email SMOE, and I was like, listen, I don't have my diploma yet but it's coming. Is that okay? So desperate. They're like, just come. (laughs) We bought your plane ticket. Just get over here. We need a teacher. And I taught for SMOE for two years, but the real story is I found this church and my life got radically transformed. How do you trust in God for impossible things? You learn how to praise You learn how to praise. You get skillful with your praise set. And when you get skillful in praising God, you'll learn how to acknowledge him. God, despite what's going on, I acknowledge who you are. I acknowledge that what's impossible to me is possible to you. I acknowledge that your word is upright. I acknowledge that you may frustrate the plans of man, but your plan always prevails. I acknowledge, God, that you I can trust in you. You begin to acknowledge not only who God is, but what he's already done in your life. Look at what he's already done in your life. Look at God's track record with you, his faithfulness to you. And I guarantee faith is going to begin to just bubble up inside of you. And all of a sudden, what you couldn't even believe God for, now you're saying, oh, Red Sea, easy. God's going to part that. Turn with me to verses 16 um, to 17. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might it cannot rescue. If you don't trust God, you're trusting in something else. We're always trusting, you guys. We're just made that way. And the question is, are you trusting in your strength? Because to a king, his strength was his army. To a king, if his army was strong, then he was strong. To a warrior, his physical strength was his strength. Are we trusting in our own ability? And if you are, prepared to be discouraged and prepared to be disillusioned and prepared to be sad (laughs) because you and I can't do what God has called us to do. Our problem is we spend too much time acknowledging ourselves. And what happens is when we acknowledge ourselves, we spend too much time acknowledging our weaknesses, our shortcomings, our faults, our mistakes, And the moment we do that, faithlessness, doubt, rushes upon us. But when we fix our eyes and acknowledge God, man, hope begins to bubble up. And when we say, man, God, you are my strength. You are my shield. Psalm 33, it starts with a call to worship and it ends with an ability to trust in God. we're called to trust in the Lord. Amen? Despite what you see, we're called to trust in the Lord. And for many of us, the issue isn't the doing, it's who you're called to be. And the greatest struggle that you have when it comes to trusting in God is trusting him to transform you. And you get so stuck on your lack and you Forget the abundance that we have access to from the Father. Turn to your neighbor and say, I trust God. 20, it says, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. I want you guys to just close your eyes. Whether it's a situation you're facing right now, or whether it's a situation that you will face in the future, God is always calling us to trust in him completely. And I want us to be a people that get the key to being skilled worshipers. That we would learn how to play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts that we would sing to God a new song because we can perceive the new things that he's doing, that we can make melody to him, giving thanks to him because praise, it fits us like a glove. And I want to give you guys an opportunity to respond because for some of you, some of you are more skillful in complaining than you are In worshiping. And I believe that God is, He's giving a grace today to break that pattern in your life and to use your tongue to release life and not death. Amen. If that's you, if you look back even on your week, this past week and you were to calculate the percentage of complaints versus the percentage of fresh praise to God your stats aren't looking, they're not looking like you know God has called them to look. If that's you and you believe that God can change you and you believe that praise befits you I want you to just stand to your feet and just receive prayer And I believe that this prayer right now that's gonna go out, it's actually gonna transform each and every single one of you that are standing to your feet. And I believe that the reason why this has been a struggle is because you are called to be men and women of faith. That in fact, your destiny includes the things that are, everyone else would consider to be impossible. So if you guys are just, um, around someone that's standing to their feet. I want you to just put your hands on them and we're going to pray together as one family and we're just going to lift them up right now. And what I want you to do is I want you to just begin to speak out the identity over these uh, men and women that their identity is a worshiper. That their identity is one that speaks continual praise to the Lord. That their identity is one that continually acknowledges God in their lives and the new thing that God is doing. So let's just begin to pray for each and every single person that's standing to their feet. Come on, lift up your voices and begin to break off these false identities and establish them in the Spirit. Yeah, God, I thank you that your sons and daughters that are standing to their feet right now, you've called them worshipers, God. And I thank you that their identity, God, who they are, the very core of their being, the thing that they're going to do, not just in this lifetime, but for eternity, is to worship. And God, I pray that you call them your skillful worshipers. You're calling them, oh, Lord, Father, to be experts, God. Father, not just to play the scales of praise, but, God, to sing new songs, to make melodies, God, to perceive the new things that you're doing in their lives right now and to give you worship for those things. And so, God, I thank you. I break the identity of a complainer, God. I break the identity of a pessimism, Lord. I break the identity, Lord, Father, God, of of things that have been spoken over them God and Lord I just release God their true their true identity as ones Lord that are worshipers ones God that can't help but to give you praise ones that can't help but to acknowledge your hand in their lives in every moment God I just thank you Lord that you're changing mindsets right now God you're changing mindsets right now and you're opening up eyes to perceive God, what you're doing, you're opening up eyes of faith to perceive. And so, God, we just worship you in this place, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.